Hello, welcome to the next episode of The Publicist Speaks. I'm Jessica, the self-proclaimed podcast guru here at Rare Bird. Today, we have Amber Vandebunt back for a second episode. Amber, thank you so much for coming back. Last time you were on here with me, we were asking you questions from the internet, which um, were exciting and fun and mostly for Carmen. Yes, definitely. So, <laughs> so today, I want to talk to Amber. I want to talk to you about your book and your journey and how writing a memoir came to fruition because I mean it's I know that you're an open book but writing things on paper in a physical form is very different than blogging on tumblr or writing on twitter or any of the other various things so what inspired you to write a memoir first of all thank you for having me back thank you so I was always wanting to write a book that was I was really bad in school. Like I, <laughs> I was terrible at math, terrible at science, but I always loved English because I loved writing. Right. And when I told my dad that this was actually happening when the, I got the the book published, uh, he was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" Because I always knew you do something with writing. Because when I was younger, all I wanted was new diaries, new diaries. Like <laughs> I always like documented everything. So when I was in high school. And I was struggling with my eating disorder. I loved reading memoirs about eating disorders. So then I was, that was kind of like, I was like, when I get better one day and I'm recovered, I'm going to write a book about my eating disorder. So that was back when I was like 16 or 17. Right. And then I started getting into drugs and alcohol. So the thought of writing a book was just never there. Of course. And then fast forward to when I'm 23 and I'm starting to get sober that's when like I'm starting to think about real life again. <laughs> and uh, when I decided to leave the adult industry, when I think I was 23 or 24, okay, that's when I was kind of in the situation like, okay, maybe I could write a book now because I, th- I've always been the type of person that I love reading memoirs okay. about what I'm struggling with. That's awesome. So like when I was eating disorder, eating disorder, when I was trying to get sober, all those like sobriety books you can think of, all right. the addiction books. Like I love, I get inspired by stuff like that. So when I was leaving the adult industry, I was looking for books about girls that left the industry. So like the I Am Jenny mm-hmm. um, about her book. And when I read hers and how she left the industry and just, and then I kind of had a connection to her through right. my in-law, my mother-in-law. Really? Yes, because uh, her, my mother-in-law's sister knew Jenny and that's how I even came across the book was that's awesome through her so small world right very small <laughs> world crazy so then I kind of reached out to her because I was feeling inspired and I was like so how did you just decide to write a book because I was clueless like mm-hmm. I definitely didn't know how to do I don't know if I did it. I even told uh Tyson at Rare Bird when I talked to him, I was like, I don't know about what my email was that I first ever sent you guys. It was probably not professional. I'm so lucky that you like took me seriously. Yeah. Because I didn't know what you're doing. I'm like, do I send you an email saying this or that? So I was very clueless going through this process, but I just knew I wanted to do it so bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did do like you, like you were saying, like blogging on Tumblr and stuff. So I knew there was people were people out there that wanted to hear what I had to say. Right. And I felt like I had a lot to, to talk about. So I just 
I just kept going through it and trying to <laughs> trying to move through it and figure it out the best I could. But I was definitely on Google, like, how do you publish a book? <laughs> like, asking all these questions. How do you write a book? Like, yeah. how do you find a publisher? Like, I had no idea what I was doing. Right, of course. Well, um, Rare Bird's a little bit of a, it's a, it's a niche audience. We kind of publish everything, um, but we, it, but we definitely like the, the stories that the big five might not be as interested in. Right. Um, so we like the, the porn star, the memoirs from porn stars. We have a couple of prison memoirs. We have, oh, cool. I didn't know that. We have, um, we have memoirs from, gosh, a whole bunch of, a whole mess of people. And we also do fiction and poetry. And so R- Rare Bird was the perfect avenue for this this title and I and it's beautiful and I and I love I love all I love everything about it it's super great um and actually I wanted to ask about you said you did diary like lots of journaling when you were younger was writing this memoir kind of like that yeah it was um I wish I would have kept on because when I had my eating disorder in high school I had a diary every single day like that was detailed and I wish I would have kept all of those like because now if I did want to write a book about that that would have been amazing oh, to so look at those diaries history. yeah uh and like to have like a little picture in the middle like of my actual mm-hmm. diary like going through that would have been amazing but yeah, I just I always always was writing about stuff and even like my pregnancy I documented it. So writing has always been a part of my life. It's always kind of been like therapy in a way. Like I like getting it out on paper. It's not even the same as like typing on a computer or anything. Yeah, like not. I love like pen on paper. Yeah. It's different than mm-hmm. it, it feels different. Mm-hmm. Speaking of feelings, as as many people know, you have an alternate ego. I Carmen do. Karma. Carmen Karma. The adult film star. And how did you delineate between writing this memoir as Amber versus writing an embo- in a memoir for Carmen? I lived as Carmen from pretty much 17, oops, <laughs> until I left the industry when I started writing this book. So at the point when I met my husband, I didn't even like, I forgot my name was Amber almost. Like I always told, like if someone says, what's your name? Like your order at a restaurant, Carmen. Because I moved to LA and everyone, all my friends were from industry because Mm -hmm. no one, so no one in the industry calls each other by their real name. There's just too many names. So everyone just, so every, even my best friends called me Carmen. I called them their stage names. So that's all I was referred to because the only people in my everyday life were like my agent, my, the directors, Mm -hmm. the performers so I kind of lived as Carmen for so long. And I think that's like a problem a lot of industry girls probably have is mm-hmm. getting lost in that. And like, who are you really? Because I'm the same person. It's not like I'm fake when I'm one Amber or Carmen, but they're definitely different personas and different parts of me. So when I decided to write this book, I wanted to be Amber so bad. I wanted, I loved like just being called by my norm, like my regular name. And so when I wrote this, I definitely knew there would be a big audience would be like porn fans. Right. So I didn't want to like strict like get all of Carmen out, but I did want to be true to myself and who I am on like I'm a person that has feelings and of course. A, a personality and emotions. And so telling my story was writing this book was mostly Amber, I would say um, when I had a channel back into like getting into the industry and how I felt getting like 
joining porn and the scenes I was doing and thinking like, because I had to get across like, oh, I actually, this is something I'm choosing. I like mm-hmm. what I do. So it's kind of like getting into Carmen of like, okay, why do I like feeling like this? So then I, I write the stuff, pretty much the stuff about porn. I'm kind of channeling the Carmen side of me because mm-hmm. that's that's my sexual side. That's my like outlet of, and that's how I make a living. Right. And, but going more deeper into sobriety and other issues in my past and that stuff is like the stuff that I never shared with people like for so many years because mm-hmm. that's that's Amber. Right. So now that Amber has a voice and now Amber's out there in, in the form of this incredible memoir, do you feel more vulnerable than you do or than you did when you knew that just naked videos of you were everywhere? It's kind of like a sigh of relief. Really? Yeah, because at first I was really worried. I'm like, well, what do I, when this book was happening, mm-hmm. it's like, what name do I use? Because, you know. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, I wanted to accomplish something as Amber. I remember that was like my huge thing. I was like, I want Amber to be bigger than the word Carmen when I decided to do AKA Carmen Karma yeah. on it. It's like, make Amber bigger because this is me doing this. Like, I'm not Carmen right now, but Carmen is still a part of me. She's there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely now, it's really weird when fans want to pretend they know me a little bit more. So, like, the way I like porn fans. Okay. So, like, porn fans will tweet me, like, hey, Amber, but I feel like that's kind of disrespectful on my Carmen por- like platform. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's just like something in my head and I'm being like touchy about it. But if I'm on like my Carmen one where I'm tweeting only about like, because my Carmen online social media, is way different than my Amber because I'm being mm-hmm. Carmen, Carmen on that. So right. it's strictly like sexual. So I don't like when people will ask about my daughter or yeah, of course. call me Amber. I'm like, I have a stage name on here for a reason, but my name is out there. So it's kind of like I have to expect that at the same time. Right. But then, so that doesn't bother me as much as if I'm on my Amber social media and someone calls me Carmen. That will get me so heated. I'm like, <laughs> that, this is my personal thing with my child. So my Amber social media is like, Block like private. Yeah. No one gets accepted of unless course. they know you. And um, but I mean, there are some that have like slid in there or like that were following me prior to making it private. Mm-hmm. That will comment like some weird, disrespectful stuff, and then I just block them. But so it's both names are out there. But I with the internet, like Wikipedia has performers' real, real names, names on it. Yeah. So it is. It was definitely a scary feeling, like putting my real name out there but at the same time I was like this is me I'm kind of like relieved like I want them to know I'm more than just the sex sex Mm -hmm. object did you feel like you were like outing yourself kind of yeah yeah outing myself but in like a good way like I don't care then no one can really use it against you it's like yeah I published a book in my name like you're not scaring me because some guys will try to use it as blackmail people are the worst yeah that's awful and I'm sorry if that's happened to you because people are the worst yes but it's definitely um my my boyfriend um, went to college with a now very famous star. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you right now, but I'll tell you after. Okay, good. I was like, please tell me later. <laughs> um, and he he knew her before industry, and she was the s- sweetest little girl. Like not like little, but like she was like she was sweet and quiet. And they did theater together, oh. and. Um, he was telling me about it and I'm like, that's not true. I don't believe you. Um, but then he like, there's like pictures and videos and she looks exactly the same. Really? And it's 
incredible. And it's but it's like really funny because now she doesn't have any of her her like personal media doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. It's only her it's only her stage media. And it was really funny because he's just like, yeah, I'm friends with her on Facebook. And I'm like, she doesn't have a Facebook. Like, what are you talking about? I didn't know that she had her stage name like it took me a long time dating him before we figured out that they were that before I figured out that they were the same person because he would like tell me stories about her with her real name yeah and then tell me stories about her with her stage name and then I put together the dots probably a year into the relationship oh my god this is the you're talking about the same person he's like yeah but like why would I mix the like I'm telling you Aww, different stories about so it because like I'm telling you a story from when we were in college like that has nothing to do with what she's doing now and I'm like that's awesome. That's a guy who gets it. He does. He's the best. I like him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um but like but I totally I totally understand it. Like I I wouldn't want if I I I'm not sure how I would react if I was in the industry like you are. Like I, I'm not opposed to it at all, but I would I don't know if I would want people to like no, it was me. Yeah. However, I'm covered in tattoos. So it's they not like know. I could hide it. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I first got into the industry, my thought was maybe no one will find out. I feel like so <laughs> many girls think that. And I'm like, trust yeah. me, it takes one person mm-hmm. to see the video and your whole town will know. Everyone will know. And it's out there forever. It's the internet. Everybody yeah. knows. Yes, exactly. You can't, you can't hide it. And so um, we were... I was talking to him, my boyfriend, about the differentiation between like, m- like one persona, as in like, this is my 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 family persona versus this is my artist persona. Right. Um, would you ever give Carmen her own memoir? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I do like that a lot. That would yeah, because overcome was me like wanting to be amber so much right. but carmen very much is a part of me and it is a different different part of me right i love that idea <laughs> i love how like something i was like light bulb <laughs> um because i know that we've talked in the past about you having just like crazy stories that right. like didn't necessarily fit into your um into this into this memoir this memoir had a had, had a very specific thoroughfare you were talking about going out of your addiction and how recovery is just a thing that happens forever interspersed with Carmen's stories and how that featured into your addiction and factored into different things but having a a like Carmen has her own story too wouldn't you say yes definitely this is like (laughs) why didn't I think of this before because I've been trying it's been hard to start writing because I wanted to do a second book and I was thinking of just like stories from the sex industry but I felt like there's not really a storyline so how do I do it is it just like a book like a collection yeah Yeah. so I was like I could go that way but it was hard for me to start because I didn't really feel like a like what was the purpose like yeah, you don't have a connection yeah but like thinking of like the memoir of Carmen that's yeah. that gives me like makes me want to grab my computer and start typing away <laughs> right now um I think it would be super interesting because it's it's definitely a delineation between these two very important factors of your life you told me or maybe we talked you talked about it in another podcast that um 
your husband was just like, that's a part of you. Like, it's your job. Why aren't you doing it? Like, Mm -hmm. before you went back to the industry, it is a part of you. And why wouldn't that part of you just get a voice just like Amber has a voice? I love that. I love that, especially, like, when it's something that I love and I don't want to feel shame for it. It would be nice to let that out, too. Right. And to maybe help other people see that it's not, there's no, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And, I mean, I know you have talked, you and I have talked about you being an open book, but there is a sense of, like, you almost feel shame for other people feeling weird about you. One of the things that I had to get over was when I was young, I dated somebody who was very, very much older than me. Mm. And it was bad. But that's beside the point. Um, I had to get over the fact that everybody was judging me because everyone's like, that guy's 10 years older than you. What are you doing? And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm 18. Yeah. Stop asking me questions. But like there was a sense of like, I wasn't ashamed of him when it was just me. But like when other people were projecting their shame on me. Yes. That was something that I was not okay with. Because then I felt shame because they felt shame. That's like that's the exact feeling I was trying to (laughs) describe earlier. It's like when it's just me doing my thing, it's everything's great. Like I'm like so proud of I'm like I'm proud of myself for everything I've accomplished. Right. But when it's like telling a, a group of people like strangers what I do, it's like, oh, like I'm in the adult or not the adults. I'll just say I'm in the entertainment industry because i'm like oh i don't want to feel your shame on me i don't 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 want want you to project it Mm -hmm. and it's like it's very interesting to talk about that feeling because it's not shame i'm not feeling shame for myself because i do whatever i like i'm doing this because i want to do this but other people are feeling shame or judgment or whatever judgment and they're like feeling it and it just makes you have this like pit in my stomach like what is so my friend that i was talking about earlier who's interested in the industry She is, she's young and she is afraid of judgment. Yeah. By far. Like when she's just by herself, she's like, I don't give a shit. Like fucking whatever. It's just naked pictures. Um, But then she's like, well, what if this happens or what if that happens? And she just like has all of these what ifs and all of these concerns. And I'm like, you need to decide if you're doing this for yourself Mm -hmm. or if you're doing this like as a means to an end. Because if you're going to be afraid, if you're already afraid of the judgment and the shame, what are you going to do when it happens? Right. That's funny. Um, So I actually knew I wanted to be in the adult industry Mm -hmm. when like I first saw like I think it was a Playboy magazine when I was so young. Like (laughs) I don't know why that always intrigued me. I swear Mm -hmm. like I was just born very sexual. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I was 18 and I did contact an agent right away when I was 18 and they wanted me to come out to L.A., and I was so scared of my dad, like his of reaction. Course. And I don't want my dad to hate me. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be a webcam girl. And then I was a webcam girl for a while. And then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna strip because I knew like that's not as bad as porn in his <laughs> eyes. And he, you know. So I was waiting and then I remember telling myself, if I'm 21 and I still have the urge to do porn, I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So I turned 21, I still wanted to do porn, and then that's when I started applying all over again. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just had to know, like, this is clearly something, like, that I want to do if I've been feeling it for years. And I was trying to, like, not do it. Like, that's how <laughs> much I want out of it. Yeah, to, like, just to please other people. Of course. And, I mean, that could be, like, that's Carmen's origin story. Yeah. Where it came from. And 
it's like it's one of those things where that's a whole interest that's a whole other storyline mm-hmm. and having having that tying to this book here it could be like a box set it could be Amber and Carmen both the stories together. I love this. <laughs> this is what I needed for some inspiration to write. I need this. That's exactly what I'm here for. Thank you. <laughs> um, so if you could, if you could give advice to that 18 year old girl who was told that she had to move to LA, what would you give? What would you say to her? Back then, mm-hmm. I would have. I wish I would have, it would have been nice to know that I was going to do it eventually. (laughs) But in hindsight, I think that everything needed to kind of happen for my story to be the same. Because if I didn't move down to Florida, that's where a lot of stuff happened that were big parts of my life. You know, not necessarily good parts, but still part of my story. And it's just like the butterfly effect, like where if one thing changed, like what could have been. But I mean, it would have been nice to, to come out here right away and start like, freshly new I would have been like very popular Mm -hmm. very quick but I would tell myself to not try to please other people because you never can please everyone even if I was like a good quote-unquote good girl you Mm -hmm. know like that's not even having sex at all and I'm doing what my dad wants me to do there's gonna be other people that look at me and judge me for not for for doing exactly what your dad wanted you to do yeah and it's just like regardless you're gonna be judged for something Mm -hmm. so I'm just gonna do what my heart is calling me to do and live my life for me and I think that that's the greatest the best way to do it um let's see um next question is gonna be you're an avid reader we talked earlier about Mm -hmm. how you read memoirs of things that you're struggling with so what is the first book that you can remember that made you cry Hmm. I can't remember the girl's name starts with an m but I read it in when I was a freshman it was called wasted and I can't remember the girl's name it starts with an m I'm gonna google I know I was like are you doing a quick google search for me and it's all about her struggle with a really bad eating disorder. And I that's like the first memoir I can really remember reading that really like impacted me. It's nice. I think I like memoirs because it makes me feel not alone. And that's why I read the subject of what I'm struggling in because you get to read someone's journey. Maria? Yes. That's what I was going to guess. But I was like, I'm not sure. Maria Hornbacher. Yes. That was like my favorite uh, memoir on that topic of eating disorders but that one was it was really good yeah and it ha- and did it make you cry because you were like feeling it and sympathizing or empathizing or was it just like shit I think it was just first of all I never spoke to anyone about my eating disorder like people knew about it because they could see me like losing weight and stuff but no one was talking to me on the level of like you're going through that too. Mm -hmm. So like seeing that I wasn't alone maybe is what made me feel that way. I was like, wow, like it's not just me. I'm not just like crazy. Mm -hmm. And just how similar the stories were. It just really like touched me that, that this is like, I don't know how to describe it. Like her story was just so similar. It's like relatable. Yeah. And I was so, I was in this little small town and I never knew anyone that was struggling with those things. Right. Everyone else, like, in my head was these perfect 
children. So I felt always like I always feel like I was the odd person out in like our grade and and, Mm -hmm. or in our school, really the one that wasn't following the rules (laughs) and being like everyone else. So when I was struggling with that and reading her story just really touched my heart. That's good. And that's wasted. 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 Um, So then what book now are you reading that's like getting to your soul? It's like maybe not making you cry, but it's like relate you're relating to now so now i'm i'm really into self-help books too okay so that's kind of like i'll read them about like toddler discipline or (laughs) tantrums you know uh right now i'm reading one about boundaries oh and that's something that i definitely need to work on because i'm the type of person that i even if i don't want to do something and someone asks me i'll be like yeah because i just i want you to like me yeah i want i want everyone to like about that (laughs) You know, it's scary to say no because I'm like, oh, if I say no, they'll hate me. Yeah, of course. So that's I've always been like that. And that was kind of like an issue with the adult industry is because I didn't want to say no to my agent. I didn't want to say no to a director because I wanted them to like me and to hire me. So I've always had a little bit of boundary issues of like the people pleasing. Yeah. No, I know exactly what that feels like. Yes. So I'm reading a book about that right now. And I'm trying to like really let it sink in and instead of like trying to read it fast I'm like I need this to sink into my brain and it but it's making things click like okay you know what like I can do this I can set boundaries yeah so interestingly enough I I recently started going back to therapy after probably 10 years of trying and failing um and it's been a really hard thing for me because I I'm never the one that asks for help. I'm always the one that gives help. Yes. Um, my therapist, whose name is Kareem, and I love it, um, he uh, tells me that I'm too mothering hmm. to adults who don't need me to mother them, but I do it anyways. And that comes with comes along with the I don't tell people no. I solve people's problems for them. Yes. I take care of everybody. And I don't exist as a person that needs help. So that's a hard thing that I'm having to do. And just recently, um, I was asked to work some overtime. And I said no. Good for you. To go to therapy. And it was the weirdest and most, it's probably the most difficult thing I have done in a very long time. Um, Felt good though, right? I don't know yet. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I haven't yet decided. I think so. Um, because it was a really, it ended up being a really good, like productive session. So, but I mean, I, I grew up in a household that was always work first, play later. Mm. And therapy is, has been filed into that play, that play folder in my brain. Right. Um, so making that decision to like, be like, "Mm, this is something completely different. You still got to do the thing. Yeah. Because I will always make excuses to not go to it. Yeah. Oh, I have to work. Oh, I'm going on vacation. Oh, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Great excuse. So it was It was definitely, it was a big step. It was very interesting. And having having a therapist tell you that they're proud of you for doing a thing, is it was that was a very interesting experience. Because I've tried, I've tried therapy like four or five times. And it never stuck. Mm-hmm. I was labeled as like random mental disorders after two sessions. Yes. And I'm like, oh, yes. You see me for two hours and you know that I'm all of these things. That sounds totally right. They just want to give you, put you on prescription to make money. Yep. And like I was, I was 17 
and I was told that I was a bipolar nymphomaniac. Oh my god! And I'm like, okay, I'm never gonna see you again. Bye. Wow. And so now I'm very particular about like, I don't really want to see a woman therapist mm-hmm. because it's too judgy. I agree with that. Um, but I also don't want to see an 80 year old man because mm-hmm. I have pink hair and tattoos and yes. there's going to be issues. Yes. So I finally found something and I'm just like waiting in the waters. But like that was that was one of those I said no to benefit myself things. Yeah. And I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I did it. So we'll see what happens. I next. mean, it feels foreign if you've been it's saying so yes weird. your whole life, my whole you know, life. I've, I, I've never like I'm you could ask my boyfriend who's standing outside the studio right now. He like, oh, I, that's your boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just a random dude who hangs out. <laughs> that makes sense. Now. <laughs> um, no, it's I don't say no to people. I, I take care of things. I handle things. And I I definitely put myself last. Um, so making this whole thing and and like making that decision to, to say no to money that I need, Mm -hmm. um, to fix myself and work on myself was a hugely foreign concept for me. And, um, I have a friend uh, who has a pretty big social media following and she posted today, like things about bravery and we I, on, on, on the drive in, my boyfriend was telling me about it and like reading the post or whatever. Tells me that he commented on the post about me being brave, about me saying no to work mm-hmm. um, for, to go to therapy. And he was very sweet about it. Didn't didn't tag me in it or anything because I'm not super open about not being that perfect thing. Yeah. Um. So it's super interesting and we're I'm working on this whole thing about being more open with my feelings and it's like hard right so gross I know I know I'm the same way "Mm, can I just show you my boobs it's fine (laughs) I'm the exact same way even with my husband like I'm like oh I hate being having feelings I'm having feelings right now oh gross yeah and I and I I've heard you talk about writing your book and having like really rough times and I mean you were also pregnant yeah on top of it so you were having like old emotions and hormone emotions what was that like it was kind of crazy I I, I mean it probably wasn't like the best idea (laughs) but it was like really it was a good time I had so much time on my hands Mm -hmm. I wasn't working I knew a baby was coming soon I'm like better write this book maybe it made it like I could feel the emotions more (laughs) Definitely. And then actually also added to that is when I found out I was pregnant, mm-hmm. my doctor told me a very bad decision to go off of my Prozac cold turkey. Oh, no. So I was cold turkey off my Prozac that I was on since I was 14. Oh, God. And with pregnancy hormones and going through all these traumatic experiences. Oh, you're scary because I'm also on Prozac and I'm just like, oh, fuck. Okay. You don't have to get off of it when you're pregnant. Though. Really? You don't have to. No, I was just, my doctor was like, well, you better go off of it cold turkey. I went to a Navy hospital that they're mm. not really trained yeah, that well. Yeah, I, I have lots of military friends. I'm familiar. Yes. So, and then I went to another doctor when, because that one actually got, he had to move station somewhere else. And then the next doctor was like, why would you do that to yourself? Like, you don't need to go off of that. And like there can be like very there. It's just that they don't 
t- there's not as many studies done for Prozac as there is Zoloft. Oh, okay. But they're like, we would have switched to Zoloft if anything, but you definitely need to be like mentally stable as you can while you're pregnant. While you're so, pregnant. Yeah, like, oh. Yeah, so I was kind of a, a mess. My poor husband, like, he probably came in every day like, oh, I hope she's not writing about something bad today. <laughs> like, let's get to the happy ending. Well, I mean, at least he wasn't, he wasn't deployed while you were writing, was no. he? No. So at oh least he gosh. was not, at least he was home. Yes, that's So true. that's helpful. Yes. Okay, do I have any more questions? Um, my last question is, if you could have put one more story in Overcome, what would it have been? Like one more thing in the book, what would it have been? I think touching on the aspect of being a performer, kind of how we were talking about like the way society views you and that I didn't right. really, I don't think I really touched on that that much. And I was so focused on getting down my story that I, that I didn't really I think I definitely showed that I'm more than just a performer, but I didn't really tell my story of how that impacts me and how it's how it is living as an adult performer in a world that looks down on it, yeah. even though they could consume so much of it. They of just want to look down on the performer. Yeah, they want to see your art, but don't want to see you. Yeah, it's and it's this. It's Maybe so you can write annoying. that in the Carmen memoir. Yes, I'll add that. <laughs> I'll put that in my brain. I remember that. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me again. I'm so happy that you were you had the time to come back and talk a little bit more about Amber and how Amber's story is now out there and is being shared with the world. And I think that it's incredible. And I can't wait for Carmen's memoir to come out next. Yes, definitely. Thank you again to Andrew here behind the glass at our studio, my incredible sound engineer. Um, thank you, Rare Bird, for producing these podcasts. This has been The Publicist Speaks with me, Jessica, the podcast guru. Well, the one that I think I am. Thank you.